for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. <laughs> Your sense of humor, dude. Welcome back, Sons Miller. about blood. <laughs> I know. Uh, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. In about 20 minutes, 15 minutes, we'll hear from the Heisman Trophy runner-up, Chuck Long. Top 15 pick? Where did he go? Lions took him where? I want to say 12. 12. I think yeah. you're in the ballpark for sure. You're in the hunt for sure. I know he's top 15. Anyways, uh, we will hear from uh, Chuck Long uh, coming up in 1120-ish. Right now, as we've said, if uh, you know if Trenton, if there's something in the community that you think Trent and I should focus on or certainly have our Trent attention drawn to, how can we help by devoting airtime? Um, You've heard us uh, with the restaurant radio twice weekly on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. We'll do it again tomorrow morning starting at 1030 where we go around central Iowa and uh, have on restaurant owners. And uh, they get to share their story, how they're trying to keep the doors open and connect with their customers and uh, fill their uh, fill their needs. Um, but if there's something that you know we, we can do, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Ken Miller show at gmail.com. And one of those things uh, was was drawn to my attention by. Uh, story in the Des Moines Register was the fact that uh, there's a real shortage of blood apparently in central Iowa and you and I Trent were down at Principal Park in advance of last year's Cyhawk game yeah it was chilly it was chilly it was dime cold <laughs> is what it was and you actually uh, you donated blood which was really good and I tip my cap to you for doing that. There were a number of people down there. Danielle West is back with Trent and I. Uh, she is from Life Serve Blood Center. Danielle, Trent and Ken, thank you for coming on. Danielle, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. I appreciate the help in spreading the word. Well, we're we're happy to do that for you, especially, you know, uh, the the story alluded to the fact that uh, there is uh, are approaching, or maybe you guys are there at this point, a, a shortage of blood. And with the fact that, you know, blood drives were so popular and you guys would go out and you would set up and have people, you'd make it easy for people to donate blood because you'd come to them in a lot of cases. But that, unfortunately, with the uh, circumstances that we're all living on right in right now is, is uh, a little bit uh, more difficult to do. So how are you trying to, uh, you know, to get the gift of life, which is so important to so many people? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, we collect a lot of our blood out in a mobile environment where we would go into the business or into the school and host blood drives. And in the last few weeks, we've canceled a lot of business blood drives, schools with everyone being closed, everyone working at home or remotely. That has definitely changed the way that we've collected the blood that we still need. So that was a huge impact right away. Thankfully, we've had an amazing outpouring of community support, and a lot of people are still coming out to donate at our donor centers. So we have seven across the state of Iowa that are open pretty much six days a week, um, and we're really driving people to come in there. But we've definitely changed a lot of what we're doing, too, because of COVID-19. So we're encouraging people to make appointments so that we can, you know, focus on social distancing and keep the number of people together in one area low. Um, we're also asking some different health history travel questions related to that to make sure that our donors are safe. 
We're screening our team members before they come in as well, just to make sure that it's a safe environment for people to still come and give back because we think this is going to last for, you know, weeks, maybe months, and we'll definitely still need those donors coming in the door. You know, Danielle, you think about blood drives and where the blood goes. I think we've all seen TV shows, movies where they watch a doctor and they're hanging a bag of blood and it's a big trauma victim, something like that. But it's not just that. There are so many other avenues that blood is needed for. Fill us in and for people that just go to those tragedies that are out there, blood does a lot more than that. Definitely. Our number one recipient of blood is actually cancer patients. They get a lot of transfusions during their treatment to help make them feel better. So that's where the majority of our blood products go. And they're still getting treatment through this time. So they still need that blood on the shelf. Um, And so it's really important to remind people there's always the traumas and surgeries that need blood products too. But a lot of it goes to those cancer patients that are still fighting as we go through this crazy COVID-19 time as well. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Danielle West is with us. Were you at the point where, not maybe not the word critical uh, is in front of shortage, but there, you know, the story alluded to that you guys were, you know, you're getting real low. Now, it's great that you just shared the word that people are still coming in. It's ironic that I was stopped at a light yesterday as close as I got to a person in their car <laughs> beside me, and they actually had a like a drop of blood sticker that they'd reached some goal from LifeServe. They were a, I don't know if it was a 10-gallon. My eyes aren't that good to read it, but um, a 10-gallon donor over the years. Um, but were you were you at a point of critical shortage at any point during this time? You know, we were right away when schools said that they were closing and a lot of businesses closed, you know, a lot of the big businesses in the area like Principal and Wells Fargo, they have blood drives all the time for us. And when all of that started closing, we canceled a lot of blood drives and lost around 1,500 donations just from taking blood drives mm. off the calendar. So then the last couple weeks, you know, we put out a plea and we've had great support and our schedules actually look great at our donor centers. We're still having some community blood drives, so people can still find those opportunities And we're spreading people out, making sure that those are safe environments as well. Now, I think our concern is later in April and even through May, if schools don't go back and if businesses are still closed or working mostly remote, we're still going to need those appointments. And um, our schedules are not full in late April and May. So that's really our focus now. Talk with Danielle West, LifeServe Blood Center, here on Miller & Con in 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Danielle, uh, D- Danielle, you talked about you know the different social distancing that you guys are going through. I know plenty of people out there still concerned, though. They want to help out in any fashion. Is the best course of action to set up that schedule, first of all, and just know when you can go in? And when you arrive at the donation center, do you get a phone call, a text, something like that, letting you know, all right, the time to come in is right now? Yes, absolutely. So if people are interested, they can give us a call, they can email us or go online and make an appointment. We're only taking appointments right now, not walk-ins, just so we can ensure that we know exactly how many people are going to be in the facility at one time. And then we have some um, extra instructions for our donors. We're asking that they take their temperature before they come in, that they review, you know, where they've traveled, how they're feeling, making sure that they're healthy before they come in and donate. 
We're also doing that for every team member, volunteer, and body that's entering any of our facilities. So we're pre-screening them as well. And then we have stickers on the floor, making sure that our donors Mm. are six feet apart at all times. We've spread everything out to ensure that as well. And our team members are taking some extra precautions. You know, we've always been very (laughs) clean and crazy about sanitizing, but we've really taken it to the next level where we're wiping everything down in between every donor and making sure that we're handing out, you know, the snacks and things that they get at the end to ensure that we don't have um, any concern with safety if people are coming in to donate. Uh, what about uh, uh, donor eligibility, I guess, is what the, maybe the best way to phrase it. Um, is, is There has to be some, right? I mean, for, for I, I take a blood pressure medication. Would that uh, allow me to, to donate blood? Or what are some of the eligibility criteria, I guess, Danielle? Yeah, that's a great question because a lot of people assume, you know, they can't donate for one reason or another. They got a tattoo. They just traveled for spring break, something like that. And honestly, those guidelines change all the time. So we always tell people to give us a call or come in and check. Most of the time, they're still eligible to give. We have added some different travel restrictions because of the COVID-19 virus. Um, but really, if people are feeling well and healthy, they should come on in and give it a try, and then we can help them in our facility or help answer those specific questions over the phone before they come in and donate. We have nurses um, that are on standby at all times to answer specific questions about medication, travel, any of that. Um, if you've had cancer in the past, you know, are you eligible? That has changed as well. So I always encourage people to give us a call and check before they come in mm-hmm. and before they assume that they may not be eligible. Gotcha. Uh, website and phone number, I guess, and then uh, we'll do that first of all. Sure. So lifeservebloodcenter.org. They can go online. They can search by zip code city really to find a blood drive or location near them. Like I said, we have seven donor centers as well throughout the state of Iowa. Or they can give us a call. Our number is 800-287-4903. And we're on those Monday through Saturday, sometimes even Sunday, to help answer donor questions, get them scheduled. And then they'll get a text message reminder, an email reminder, and all the info they need before they come in to donate. LifeServeBloodCenter.org, 800-287-4903. Danielle, just last thing, uh, what did Trent and I not cover that you wish to share with our audience? You know, I really appreciate you guys helping to spread the word. And like I said, we've had such great community support, which has been amazing. We like to remind people that we're the only provider of blood products to all of our community hospitals here. So Methodist, Mercy, all of the hospitals in our area get their blood solely from LifeServe and our generous blood donors. So this is a great way to give back in less than an hour. You can really impact three different lives in our community. We'll make it a safe, safe place for you and you know that you're giving back and We just want people to continue to think of us, too, in the next coming weeks and months if we're still in a 
similar situation. Danielle, you have my cell phone and you have, uh, and I'll speak for Trent, our mm-hmm. promise uh, that uh, if uh, the need arises, please reach out. We will do this again as often as necessary. And even, you know, when we get back to air quote normal, uh, if the need arises, uh, please reach out, Danielle. Uh, the, uh, give you as much airtime as you want to share the story. LifeServe, bloodcenter.org. Danielle West joined us. Danielle, thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Good to talk to you. Daniel West, lifeserveblogcenter.org, lifeserveblogcenter.org, 800-287-4903. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, let's uh, do this. Trent Condon, KXNO and iHeartRadio want to help you pay your bills. Text the keyword CALM, C-A-L-M, CALM, to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's CALM to 200-200. Former Hawkeye quarterback, Heisman runner-up in what was the closest vote ever. Still ever to this day? I think maybe something nipped it. Was there? Yeah. I want to say or at least there was one that was going to be close to it. Seems like that jogged in in the memory here, at least semi-recently. And I was right. Pick number 12. He was 12. NFL draft. To the Lions. To the Lions. That offensive line, not good. The the Lions offensive line? Oh, man. Yeah. When when have they not had a problem at some point on that run? Very few. Very few. Ooh. NFC Championship game, get beat by 50 by the Redskins. Yeah. I mean, is that one of the more difficult teams to be a fan of? I mean, there's, oh, a lot, there's some in every sport. Right. Uh, yeah, they have to be on any and, of and this. And it's a big city. Yes. It's a big brand. It's a long-time organization. We're not talking about the Jaguars. No. Even the Clippers. It's the second team in L.A. Mm-hmm. Are you really a Clippers fan? Come on. You're a Lakers fan. But... <laughs> For somebody that has been around for that long, that has a big city behind it, everything else, it just, it's hard to find anything worse than being a Lions fan. Yeah, no, in, in the NFL, the, the Lions would clearly be on the, I guess, the Bengals, the Cleveland Browns, for crying out loud. I mean, that team, as we know, they left and they got a team back. Um, who in the NFC? Lions. All right, Washington's got championships. Cardinals played for one. Buccaneers won a Super Bowl. No, that's not the answer. Maybe it is the Lions. All right, well, Chuck Long is uh, going to join us coming up in a few minutes. We will take a look back at the 1985 uh, Hawkeye squad. Let's get Joe in here. Joe's a Lions fan? He's a Lions fan. Oh, poor poor bastard. Hey, Joe, how are you? I'm all right. You're hanging in there. How tough is it to be a Lions fan? It's the hardest thing in the world, especially when you're surrounded by Packers, Bears, and Vikings fans. Yeah. In this market now, are you a longtime Des Moines or Central Iowa resident? All my life. Well, so how do you come? How do you become a Lions fan in Des Moines? Great, you asked that. When I was a young kid, 1972, the first football game I watched after after church used to be one football game, one hockey game. Yeah. And the football game was Detroit and Chicago. And a receiver, Chuck Hughes, went up for a pass and was hit by uh, two guys, hit him, 
I had a, had a heart attack and died on the field. Oh my God! I don't remember that. And that story. should have been that should have been an omen to me right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I laugh, but it's obviously not funny, especially to their family. I don't remember that story, Joe. I really don't. That's uh, I, I'm not yeah. saying that it's wrong. I just don't remember remember that story. Well, you've had um, you've had some struggles, my friend. I don't have to tell you that. Who do you want your Lions to draft? Do you want to move God. up? I mean, should you take a quarterback? No. One, you, one player is not going to help my team. No, I know, but I'm saying Stafford, who I like. I mean, I'm not killing Matt Stafford. I think he's a terrific player. But he's not going to play forever. Um, should you take Tua? No. Okay. All right. No. No. I, I, I'd try to get rid of Stafford. We should have done that a couple years ago. Yeah. But the biggest mistake we made in, in my lifetime, the biggest mistake Matt we made, Millen. We traded him Ndamukong Sue, and we should have kept him and traded Calvin Johnson because he only played six, seven games a year. Yeah. And, uh, and we left. traded Sue, and Johnson retired. And, we, and I want Jeff Schwartz back. I'll give away all my draft picks <laughs> for Jeff Schwartz. <laughs> That's all you need. Jeff, uh, Joe, rather, um, condolences. Yeah. Uh, maybe next year, Joe. <laughs> You've heard that before a time sure. or two. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Good Thanks, to hear guys. from you. Yeah, there's Joe, the Lions fan. I also had a caller uh, check in asking, was 02, was that closer than the Heisman year of 1985 with Chuck Long and Bo Jackson? No, that one was also very co- close, though, with Brad Banks and Carson Palmer. Palmer ended up edging him out there in that one by... 233 votes. Mm -hmm. There was closer, though, one closer after 85. 11 years ago, Mark Ingram edging out Toby Gerhardt. Ah, yes. He uh, finished that one by 30 votes, so that is the closest. What happened to Toby Gerhardt? He played for the Jags for a few years. Is that where he finished? Was he with Minnesota? Yes, he was, yeah. Yeah, Minnesota for a bit. Damn. I, I thought he'd have a yeah, good point. Running backs. Uh Chuck Long, quarterback. He joins the program next. Trent and I take you until noon. We will go down memory lane with the nineteen eighty five Hawkeye football squad. They would uh, lose in the Rose Bowl, one of the highest watched Rose Bowls of all times. As it did not go their way, UCLA uh picked them off. Chuck Long joins the program next. Miller and Condon until noon, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO and, and their families. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM as we take you until noon. Thank you for being here with us. As we've done over the, well, the last couple of weeks, we have uh, identified some of the better teams that have uh, participated uh, in our state, whether it be basketball or football, whether it be Iowa, Iowa State. We've done Drake. Uh, we've mixed in you and I with Ali Farouk Manesh. It's time to take a look back at one of the great teams of all time in our state, uh, the 1985 Hawkeye football team, a team that would succumb to UCLA in the Rose Bowl. But so many memories of that 85 team and the guy that was under center, uh, in the 85 years, senior season, and would eventually uh, finish second to Bo Jackson, jo- Bo Jackson, what was at the time the closest Heisman vote of all time. He'd go on to be uh, drafted by the uh, Detroit Lions, and the highlight of his career, maybe football career, was doing um, Monday evening quarterback here on KXNO. <laughs> Chuck Long joins the program. Chuck Trent Condon, Ken Miller. Good to talk to you, Chuck Long. How you been? 
Great, Ken and Trent. Good to be on with you today. And yes, the KXNO uh, <laughs> was the highlight of my career. I love talking the uh, Monday evening quarterback uh, with Sage. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's. Hope you guys are doing well, staying safe, and staying healthy. That's what we're working on, no doubt. Well, Chuck, before we get into the '85 season, I want to talk to you about your decision leading into that year. Coming back for your final year of eligibility, there was a rule in place, your freshman campaign. You were able to play in the bowl game and actually what well, took a snap there for an extra point or a field goal attempt in that one. But the decision, you're going to come out there, come back for your final year and leading to Iowa being ranked in the preseason top five going into that season. How difficult of a choice was it for you? It, were, it really wasn't a difficult choice. I'll tell you why. We, we came off a great Freedom Bowl victory. Uh, we had everybody coming back off of that team now i i might have you know had a different decision if everybody was graduating together mm-hmm. uh but we weren't we were all coming back i knew we had a a special team coming back um and had a chance to to win a big 10 championship which is what i wanted to be a part of as a starting quarterback and and so it really wasn't that difficult a decision i i was uh, a semester short uh from graduating so I wanted to get that done as well during, and I, and I did during my senior, my fifth year. So it all, you know, it was just all a perfect storm and coming together in the, in the best way. And so the decision, you know, I, I just, I knew what I was going to do right away. I just wanted to go home after the freedom bowl and visit with my parents about it, my family and, and, but I knew I knew in my heart what I was going to do. Uh, multiple accolades would come your way after the season, Chuck. The O'Brien, the Maxwell Award, of course, the Heisman Trophy runner-up at the time to Bo Jackson. People have told me this, and I don't believe I've ever asked you this question, but um, I've had a couple of people over the years, as, as good as your season was, they point to the Michigan State game. Um, it was statistically, I think you had better games. You threw more touchdowns in, in other games, but you threw four in that game. But it was the bootleg at the end of the game to, you know, to propel the Hawks to victory. As you think back, was that, I mean, are, are they right in saying that that might have been your best game in a, in a year where there were a whole bunch of good games? Uh, I, I believe so. I mean, it, you know, we, we were pretty solid balance between run and pass. Uh, throughout the year because we had a great running back in Ronnie Harmon. So, but that game uh, was probably my best statistical game and yardage game of the year, and it was such a back and forth game. And and of course Hayden Hayden's call of the bootleg uh, was magnificent at the right time in the right place, and it just propelled us to have uh, not only a championship year but also an exciting year for the fans and. And uh, I think that bootleg really propelled us as a football team, knowing, you know, we just we just turned number one in the nation right before that game. And here comes Michigan State with upset alert on their mind, and they almost did it. And we, we held them off and ended up winning the game at the end. And I think, I think after that game, we knew we had something special brewing. You know, Chuck, as you look back, and of course there's so many memories of the number one versus number two game, Iowa versus Michigan in Kinnick Stadium. As you look back upon that, though, you get the ball at your own 22. 
You guys had moved the football effectively, but three field goals to show for it, though there should have been a touchdown. If there was instant replay, it wouldn't have been a 12-10 game, but, but that's maybe a conversation for a different day. But as you get the ball down by a point, knowing you have to drive down the field, take us inside the huddle. What you talked about with your group, with the 10 other guys out there on the field, as you got the ball with the chance to win it. Well, we had a lot of poise in that huddle. I mean, we had a, a veteran team in that huddle. Uh, I, I remember stepping in and just basically saying, I, I didn't say a lot of words in, in the huddle because of, uh, uh, you know, the plays were so long. I wanted to make sure we got the play out there before the clock <laughs> ran out. But uh, uh, I just went in there and said, hey, here we are again. Because, you know, uh, a couple weeks earlier we were – we're at Michigan, you know, we're at Michigan State doing the same thing. So I go, well, here's deja vu all over again. Here we go, fellas. Let's get this done. And, uh, and we got it done. I mean, I don't think there was any lack of confidence in the huddle at all. I, I just, it was more business like because we were a veteran crew and, and, uh, we just had that feeling that we were going to get it done in that last drive because we'd been there and done that. Uh, Chuck Long is our guest. Chuck was uh, every quarterback seemingly has that security blanket that uh, you know if uh, if the play breaks down you're going to find somebody that guy that you just uh, have that inane sense you know he's where he's going to be. Who was that uh, on that uh, on that team? Oh my gosh, we we had a lot. We had several guys like that. I mean, they, we had sure-handed receivers and Scott Halverson and Billy Happel. We had the bond, you know, the, the speed, our speedy receiver, Robert Smith. Um, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie Hart was so good, gifted at not only running, but catching the football. He was one of those guys that I could find out of the backfield. He was always available out of the backfield in case I got in tr- into trouble. Uh, I would say he was that guy, but mm-hmm. you know, we did such a good job of spreading the ball around to everybody. Uh, I, I don't know if I, felt like I had a go-to guy because we were evenly distributing the football all over the field and everybody was making plays. But um, I would say that the guy that, that, again, the safety valve of Ronnie Harmon getting the ball in his hands was always something that you knew could happen and, and he would he would make a play. But I would say all those guys, just they brought something different to the table, but they were so sure-handed. Hey, I threw a lot of ducks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And I threw high balls and low balls, and those guys just came up with all those catches. It was just amazing how how well they caught the ball. When you look at guys today or teams today that have so many drops, uh, you really appreciate those times and the guys that, that made those catches for you back in the day. Talking with Chuck Long as we take a look back. 1985, it's great teams in Iowa history here on KXNO. Chuck, to the loss, as you guys are ranked number one for a month, you get the win against Michigan State, against Michigan, you go on the road, you beat Northwestern, and there is a road trip to the Horseshoe and Ohio State. Down 15 nothing early in the game, you score a touchdown late in the first half, but it was just a game. I went back and watched a lot of pieces of that here in the last 24 hours, and the one thing there, it just... It had that feeling that it just wasn't going to be your guys' day from the get-go. The rain came after you got down early. Just felt like there was a big confluence of events that went against you against the Buckeyes. Yeah, it's a game I'd love to have back, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as you go on in life, you remember the, mm-hmm. you always remember the losses uh, more than you remember the wins, although uh, we had some great wins, but... Those, that's one of those I'd like to have back. Um, it was a it was a tough road loss for us, and and uh, you know it was a downpour. You don't like to blame anything on the weather. You know we had 
we had rain every game in that that during that year. I mean, it rained every game, uh, so Jeez. Uh, th- there was really no different. But it, it, you know, we played a good Ohio State team. I think they were like eighth or ninth in the nation going in. So it's not like they were, uh, uh, you know, having a rough year. They were having, they were a top ten team at the time, and and uh, we just had we had a rough day. And uh, I in particular had a rough day. I didn't I didn't like that day that I had. But, <laughs> You know, we we uh, we we bounced back and ended up beating a good Illinois team the following week, and that was a uh, something again a veteran team bouncing back and coming coming away with a great victory uh, at home against Illinois. But yeah, I, hey guys, I still have nightmares of that game. I'm 57 years <laughs> old. That was 30 some odd years ago, and I still have nightmares of that game. Chris Spielman, he had 19 tackles in the game, a couple of interceptions. Pepper Johnson yep. was on that defense. Jeez. Keith Byers. Chris Carter, that was a stacked mm. Ohio State team. And I'm sure there's some Buckeye yeah, fans yeah. saying, boy, how didn't we win more or maybe win a national championship with the special talent they had? Yeah, they 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 were right there at the beginning of the year. I mean, they had, they had a talented team. Ohio State's always going to have a talented team. And and they were, you know, I don't know, they lost, a, uh, they lost one. Or I, I think after that game, they were in the driver's seat and they lost against Illinois or somebody. But, um, they uh, they were talented. They were a good football team. Uh, what does the Rose Bowl mean to you, Chuck? I mean, it's you know Keith Jackson dubbed it the granddaddy of them all, and you know we, we were out there in 2015. I think we stayed at the same hotel as you did, the Embassy Suites in Arcadia. Um, what does the Rose Bowl mean to you, Chuck Long? What uh, how special is it? Uh, very. You know, I grew up in Big Ten country, uh, right? You know, a suburb of Chicago, so I'm right in the middle of it. So you, I mean, that's all you hear about growing up is the Rose Bowl. I'll give you an idea uh, what it meant to me and my buddies. Uh, you know, I, I took two snaps of the 1981 Rose Bowl, and that was the uh, it gave me an, it gave me the distinction of playing uh, taking a snap in five bowl games. Right. <laughs> but I took the last two snaps, the very last two snaps of the 1981 Rose Bowl or the 1982 Rose Bowl after our 81 season. Uh, we were getting beat pretty bad, and Hayden said, "Hey, once you get in there and get get on TV for the hometown." Crew. Nice. <laughs> so, so I went in there and got the last two snaps, and I go home back to to Wheaton, where I'm from, Wheaton, Illinois, where I'm from, western suburb of Chicago, and and they practically threw a parade for me. <laughs> I was like, "Now wait a minute, guys! I mean, my my buddies and and the town was so excited that I played in that Rose Bowl. I said, "Wait a minute! I only had two snaps in the game." Of course, my buddy said, "Chuck, you played in the Rose Bowl, man." Mm. <laughs> you know, it was just uh, that it had that kind of power, and, and and you know, back then, growing up, the the granddaddy of them all. So to be able to be a starting quarterback in that uh, in 1986 was just uh, a magical moment for me. Again, one of the the other regrets is uh, not winning that game, and 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 for Hayden and for all of us in the state of Iowa, but just the fact to go to that game and be a starting quarterback in a in a Rose Bowl game was a dream come true. As you look back at the Heisman voting and the Heisman Trophy voting, certainly feels different today than it did back in 1985. But for the longest time, it was the closest race in Heisman history. Bo Jackson edges you out. Chuck, as you look back upon that, obviously nothing in hindsight that you can do, but but that moment as you're sitting there at the downtown athletic club waiting for the announcement, you had to feel like you were going to walk up there and win that thing, right? Hmm. Well, you know, I didn't know what to expect. It was all very surreal for me, uh, you know, to be in that race, and, and the race got tighter as the, as the season went, and all of a sudden, you know, out of smoke, clearing at the end of the year 
uh, here's here's myself and Bo Jackson uh, in this race down to down to down to two. I just didn't, you know, I didn't expect it. I wasn't one of those kids that grew up thinking I was going to win a Heisman or be a part of that. I, I took every day as, as it came and just played hard that day, and and the rest just came to me and, and as life went on. But so I'm in this you know, this tight race after the year and all of a sudden I'm getting invited to New York and I'm flying wow. to New York and it's the biggest city I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, I'm flying over New York saying, Oh my gosh, what, what is, what's happening here? So I didn't really, my expectations were really not to win it. I, I, I wasn't saying I was going to lose it, but I just didn't think about winning it. Um, I didn't really, I didn't have a speech prepared or anything. Uh, so I, I just, it was all surreal to me. It was all coming fast at me. And, and all of a sudden there's the hour long show and then the announcement beforehand. And when they broke the commercial right before the announcement, your heart's beating out of your chest, uh, thinking, Oh my gosh, this is really close. I might win this. What am I going to say? <laughs> and, uh, and, and Bo obviously ended up winning it and, and just a great guy and getting to know him and obviously a special athlete mm. of our era. But, you know, the finish number two behind behind him ain't too bad. You know, he's a pretty good player. <laughs> no doubt uh, about it. Had, had a pretty nice career, but I just didn't, it was so surreal. It was coming so fast. I just didn't really, I wasn't really caught up in the moment until well after the fact. Chuck, uh, final thing on 1985, and we'll move off for our final couple of minutes. Chuck Long joining us here on Miller and Condon. As you look back at that squad, and to think, it's 35 years removed. It's some of my earliest memories. I'm about to turn 40 here in a couple of weeks as a fan inside the state of Iowa that's lived here my whole life, yet it is so revered. 35 years later, this team is still talked about so many different times. What it means to be part of a squad that's still so well-remembered inside these state borders? Uh, it, it, it's fun. I mean, it's exciting. It's, uh, it, it's a great memory. It was a great football team. It, it resonates with people. You know, uh, as you recall, it was it was during that '85 season. Farming was was in trouble. There was a lot of farms that were in trouble across the state of Iowa. Of course, farming is the backbone of Iowa, and farmers were going through a difficult time. And that's and Hayden was always in tune with that, and uh, that's why I put the A and F sticker on the helmet, which still resonates today. And mm-hmm. you know, you have A and F hats all over the state. American East farmers, I think the 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 storm of the, the great season we had and the, and the joy we, we tried to bring to the farming community uh, during that difficult time for them uh, really helped uh, really bring the state together. And I think that, that, that was, that's also a big reason why people remember that season and uh, what it did for them. And they all remember where they were during the number one versus number two game against Michigan. That was a special moment, arguably the greatest game in Iowa history and, and with Rob Houtland kicking that field goal, I don't know how many people have come up to me and told me, hey, this is where I was during wow. the field goal. And uh, I still get that today, 35 years later. But it was just a special moment for Iowa, for Iowa football, uh, the culmination of, of hard work and a great staff putting a, uh, recruiting and putting a great team together, coming off 20 losing years in a row before Hayden arrived, Hayden turns it around and gets us the number one in the nation. And um, I, I think that because of that, 
that special team is still resonates today with people. Hmm. Got two more for you, Chuck, and one of them has to do with uh, with your head coach Hayden Fry. I've mentioned him four times. Obviously, played a huge role in your life. Uh, he uh, he passed away this uh, this past December. How will you remember Hayden Fry? How do you remember him? Oh my gosh! I you know he he was such a special coach, but now we have a special man, and 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 there's still principles that I use today, and. and and what I do in all walks of life and what he did and what he taught me. And I'll always remember him being uh, just bringing the gift of fun to the game. You know, he just, he had that special knack of, of being disciplined, getting on you, getting you to work hard. And then, but at the same time, just keeping it fun. He kept it fun for us. He kept it fun for the fan base. He never, he always appreciated a, a victory. Regardless of how big or small the victory was, he treated them all the same. I mean, here's grown men doing the hokey pokey <laughs> in the locker room after after wins, and not only the football team but the coaching staff too. That's you know, all the grown ups in the room were doing the hokey pokey. I mean, he had that kind of flair and charisma about him that that just made it fun and special. He was bigger than life every time you were around him. Shook his hand. Uh, you know, and here's a guy I saw every single day when I was a player, and he still was bigger than life to me every time I saw him. He had that kind of presence about him, but he just made it uniquely fun, but at the same time worked 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 you hard. And I always think coaches are one of one of two things: they're either really uh, too much fun, and and those guys don't last very long, or they're so disciplined and serious that you don't have much fun. It's just all work and no play. But he he had it. He had it. He had a great combination of work and play at the same time and made it a lot of fun for people. Excellent. Well, last thing, speaking of coaching, you recently scratched that coaching itch that uh, that apparently yeah. cropped up again. You're in the XFL with the St. Louis Battle Hawks. They, they drew good crowds. Uh, I mean, it didn't end, obviously, the way any of us wanted it to as we go through this pandemic, but did you enjoy the experience of the XFL, Chuck? Absolutely. Uh, very unique league. Uh, very good with fan engagement, player engagement, coaches engagement up in the press box. You could hear all the plays being called. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I think it's, it's a league that's here to stay. Uh, you know, we, we have to get through the pandemic, of mm-hmm. course, and, um, and, and that's been a challenge. But I think based on the five games that we did play, there's uh, a, a good fan base there, some good TV coverage. I think it's uh, a league that's a budding young startup business that's going to, I think, flourish. And, and really, it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, you know, there's the pressure and the long coaching hours, but uh, it was a lot of fun for me. I, I still uh, enjoy running the Iowa Sports Foundation uh, here in Iowa, but uh, I, I really enjoyed that coaching uh, itch and bug that you that you talked about. It was a lot of fun working for Jonathan Hayes, the head coach. Yeah. He and I were Iowa teammates right. back in the day. Uh, but yeah, I think St. Louis has a nice product there and that the fan base is, is certainly behind it in every which way. Well, we're going to assume there's football this fall. Will there be big 10 network for you this fall, Chuck, or does uh, the battle Hawks, uh, your schedule permit or prevent you from doing BTN? No, I'm hoping to do some BTN. Good. Uh, 
you know, that's up that's up to them, of course, on what kind of games they give me, and I'm hoping to do some. And it's been a great relationship for eight years with the Big Ten Network, and I hope that I hope it continues this year. Chuck, thank you for uh, allowing our audience to walk down memory lane with that '85 Hawkeye team, as Trent put it so well. The team that uh, nobody forgets, and it's been has it really been that long it's ago? Been My that God, thirty! Unbelievable, Chuck Long. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Trent. Thanks, Ken. Good to talk, talk to you. Again. Yep. Chuck Long uh, joining us here as we take a look back at 85. Do we have another break to get in? We do. Let's do that. We'll come back, finish up the program. Miller and Condon, good idea, Trent. This was a home run. I love these. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, we we, uh, we got a couple of good ideas here that we're rolling through. Restaurant Radio back at that tomorrow. Yes, indeed. We'll tell you about that on the other side. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106. org. Rob Holtman. Has kicked field goals of 35, 27, and 36. Here he is attempting a 29-yarder, which would beat Michigan. It's on its way, and it's good. Yes, it was. Can you imagine being in Iowa City no. that night? Oh, boy. Being a student? Yes. Oh, I think you drew a sober breath. I'm guessing probably not. Not at all. What a day to be in Iowa City. And one that there were 67,000 people in the stands, mm-hmm. but I have uh, probably heard from about 120,000 that said they were there that day for that one. 1985, October 12th, 1985 as Iowa Ranked number one, beat second-ranked Michigan. The undefeated streak continued for a couple more weeks before the Buckeyes. You heard that list of names on Ohio State? Yeah, they had some dudes, huh? You you wonder why Buckeye fans were not enamored with Earl Bruce? They had that roster. Wow. And... Frankly, weren't very good. Wow, that that's unbelievable. The the, the guys that they had on the team, the Hall of Famers for crying out loud. Pepper Johnson and Spielman. There's your linebackers. Uh-huh. Keith Byers running the football. Uh-huh. Chris Carter on the outside. Yeah, he wasn't bad. On all he on does is cut touchdowns, though. Glenn Mason was the offensive coordinator of that Buckeye team. Jim Tressel was the quarterback coach. Mm-hmm. A great coaching staff, but the head man yeah. lost too many, including to Michigan that year. Also, they lost. In the That's a, that year. never goes over well, Trent. No, no. Do you have uh, one of the? Because there was how many was there? We're in the era now where there's three different radios, right? Minimum, right? Yes, yeah. There's three for sure. Um, do you have one of those as far as any of the highlights? I do have the kick from or the the call, excuse me, for, of the kick from down the hall. W H O Jim Zabel. I was trailing ten nine. A well-fought game. Both teams should be proud of the performance that they put in today. Both of them answered the bell, played like number one and two in the country, and it all comes down to the very last play of the game, and what a what a great way for it to end. Michigan 10 and Iowa 9. Classic will hold, and Rob Houtland will attempt to kick. All right, and now we're just about ready for football history one way or the other. Just about ready for the play. The center ball is snapped. The kick is up, and it's long enough. And it's good! It's good! It's good! It's good! That's all right. Ah, uh, Zavel. It's, it's, it's great. Did you get to meet Jim when yes. he was still in the building? Yeah, yeah. a number of times. That's one that... Now, he didn't uh, know me. He called me Buddy. Buddy, yeah. yeah. 
was always buddies. That was like Johnny Ark, everyone's coach. Right. I, was I saw Johnny a couple of times when he was when I moved to town, and hey, coach, go up and talk to him. I love those guys. Yeah, look, what I remember about him being here is the body was breaking down, mm-hmm. right? And, and he would periodically join us and you know do a segment, but as soon as he opened his mouth, Jim Zobel came out. Yeah. And it's just spectacular. Just spectacular. The stories um, the stories I've heard about him. What's the restaurant um, in Beaverdale he used to hang Christopher's? out? Christopher's. Christopher's, yes. Christopher's. Yes. <laughs> Still a tab there, Le- sure. There probably is. <laughs> probably is. Legendary, legendary stories. Um, no, good stuff, Trent. Really well done uh, here today as we, um, you know, p- periodically, a couple of times during the week, take a look back at some of the great teams that have entertained us over the years. If you have a suggestion, a team you'd like to hear us go through a deep dive, certainly hit us up on Twitter at Miller and Condon, or you can find us both individually there on Twitter. Also, find us that way. And uh, we have another thing asking for people to reach out. A restaurant radio. Yes. Uh, tomorrow, we've got a couple of spots uh, late in the program. Tomorrow, restaurant radio, no charge. Just email me, Ken Miller Show uh, at gmail.com, Ken Miller Show at gmail.com, or go to our Twitter feed at Miller and Condon, Trent uh, on, uh, on his Facebook at Trent Condon. We uh, invite restaurants around Central Iowa to come on and tell us your story. Um, as, as many have done, and we will do so tomorrow for an hour starting at 10.30 to 11.30. If you want to come on, give you three or four minutes as to how you're trying to uh, keep the doors open and to satisfy a lot of loyal clientele. It's a great idea. Love doing it. I do, too. It's a hop most, in the step. It does. I think it's one of the most important things I've done in my 24 years on the air. Seriously. I'll never forget it. Uh, and we will do that again tomorrow. That's going to do it for today. Good job, Trent Condon. Murph and Andy coming up at 2 o'clock. The Fanatics at 4. And then the Morning Rush will be on your radio tomorrow morning at 6. Miller and Condon, 10 to noon, 1460 KXNO, 106.